Hawaii up for July 30th, 2005. Aloha and Iran Karate. This is Hawaii Up Show number 19. My name is Ryan and mahalo. Thank you for allowing me into your perfectly clean and well-shaped ears this week. It's been a heck of a week, folks, and I'm very, very glad to have survived. Let's just say that uh, I should have known I was in for a karmic smackdown when I joked about wanting to get back to work so I could relax. Oh boy, but uh, you know, now it's the weekend and it's great to be here with you. I've got a simple show today. I've got two songs to share, one by special request. Uh, My wife and I will tackle some of her most guilty pleasures. And I also want to take a quick look into the Hawaii Up mailbag. But hey folks, let's get straight to the news. It's time for... Hawaii Up headlines around Hawaii and around the house. Late Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, as most of Congress fled D.C. for their August recess, Hawaii Senator Daniel Akaka took the floor of the Senate to bring his remaining colleagues up to speed on the Akaka bill. A version of the Akaka bill has passed the U.S. House in the past, but on the Senate side it's been mired in political wrangling for seemingly forever. After several delays this session, Akaka finally came to another agreement, this one with Republican Majority Leader Bill Frist. And Frist has put a cloture petition, which forces debate and a vote on the bill, on the Senate calendar for September 6th when everyone gets back to the Capitol. It's going to take 60 senators to sign on that petition to achieve cloture, but if they cross that threshold, and it seems likely, the Akaka bill will finally be heard and uh, will hopefully pass or fail on its merits. It'll be interesting to see how one of the issues that Republicans are most concerned about, that's the possibility that Native Hawaiians will pursue casino gambling under the bill, will be resolved. But I just hope that it does hit the floor and that it does get debated and is no longer subject to political games. Sadly, uh, just a few weeks after the tragic tale of young Peter Boy Kema recaptured Hawaii's attention eight years after his disappearance, another young child has died, apparently again as the result of severe abuse at the hands of parents. Five-year-old Talia Williams died July 16th after apparently her father beat her for soiling herself and spilling some toothpaste. According to court documents, she was beaten twice that day, and after she lost consciousness, her parents actually delayed calling 911 because they were afraid of getting in trouble again and uh, losing their four-month-old baby. The father is a Schofield barracks soldier. He faces life in prison if convicted of his charges in the military justice system. The mother, uh, or actually the stepmother, has also been charged by the feds with first-degree murder, uh, quote, as part of a pattern and practice of assault and torture, unquote. As in the Peterboy case, there is some history of domestic incidents with this family, though the stepmother is emphatically asserting that she was also victimized by her husband. Meanwhile, the birth mother, now living in South Carolina, is getting into the act as well. She's hired a lawyer and plans to sue the military and the state for not doing more to protect Talia. Of course, there are other reports that say there are reasons why the father got custody of the girl just this past December. 
Uh, you know, there's just so much finger pointing in this case. It's sad. The state is saying the military never notified them of the abuse, uh, as they should under some agreement. Meanwhile, a family member apparently made an anonymous call to the state, warning them of the danger to the kid. More parallels with the Peter Boy case, although the state is saying that there wasn't enough information for them to act. It's obvious that the system is broken here and you know something needs to be done, but really, all I can think about is how quickly this story has become one of blame and lawsuits and who's at fault, and you know, not one of just grieving over the loss of this child. I, I really wonder if Hawaii has a problem with child abuse. There was a rally at the state capitol yesterday in the name of protecting our children, and you know, we hear these stories too often. It's just sad. Hawaii's keiki deserve better. Sports fans are a bit annoyed this week as Lieutenant Governor Duke Iona has continued his campaign to limit alcohol sales at UH sporting events. Now, a little while ago, he had said that UH should stop selling alcohol at games on campus, but UH wasted no time in saying no to that. So now Iona is saying that they should stop selling alcohol at Aloha Stadium, since I guess that uh, the stadium is only slightly affiliated with UH and has different rules. Now, uh, you know, I have to admit, I've definitely been embarrassed at times at the way some of our local fans act, you know, no aloha spirit for the visiting teams. And I haven't been interested in going to games, especially with my kids, because I can't be confident now that it's going to be a safe or positive environment. And alcohol is certainly part of that problem. But I really think that there's a middle ground here between that, uh, between all-out anarchy and total prohibition. Um, you know, there's something about alcohol and football that seems to go together, and I don't even drink. You know, I don't even want to drink. What I really don't get, though, is why this has suddenly become such a big and major issue for the lieutenant governor. I guess it's good that he has a big major issue to worry about. I mean, I really don't know what a lieutenant governor is for, but, uh, you know, I have to admit, my skepticism about this is tinted a bit by a flap that came up a few months ago about Iona's evangelical Christian activities. You know, he said that Hawaii belongs to Jesus or something like that, that our schools should be God's schools. Uh, you know, I'm raising my kids Catholic, but as a godless heathen atheist, uh, you bet that uh, the hairs on my neck stand up when someone says they want to transform Hawaii to God's great plan. What's especially weird, though, come to think of it, is that uh, our governor... Linda Lingle is Jewish, so, you know, I don't know what she thinks about this master plan. Anyway, I wonder if there's some link or some strong religious conviction driving this campaign to get alcohol banned. The folks on Molokai learned this week how a rumor can become reality. For some reason, a uh, rumor just roared through town on the Friendly Isle this week that there was going to be a gas shortage, stemming, I guess, from a slightly late delivery by a tanker. And that actually created a real gas shortage as people rushed on the gas stations. They waited over an hour. There was a quota on $100 per person to fill up because people were showing up with giant tanks in a panic. They're still trying to sort it all out. There's still people just trying to stockpile gas. It's a really small rural town. They're very dependent on deliveries, and certainly because of the size of the population, news travels incredibly fast. Uh, I'm sure the economists and the sociologists at UH are going to have a field day with this one. Finally, in what is probably only big news to folks in Honolulu and uh, might sound slightly strange anywhere else, Best Buy opened its first Hawaii store yesterday in Evil A. As with the arrival of any major mainland chain, folks turned out in droves. 
It wasn't as bad as when the first Kmart opened a few years ago, but it was pretty bad. And of course, I couldn't resist braving the crowds and insane traffic to have a look myself. The Best Buy is right on the same street off Nimitz Highway as Home Depot and Costco, which already has kind of a bit of a traffic problem. So, of course, with the grand opening and uh, live music and special sales yesterday, it was a madhouse. I talked to a guy there who said there were people lined up outside at 1 in the morning. For a retail slave, though, you know, he was actually really well-trained. And, uh, you know, I only asked him about their Hawaiian music CD collection because they're saying that it's the largest collection in the state now. And uh, he took the time to bring me up to speed on the company and, you know, how they hired him and others locally, how great their geek squad is, you know, the repair folks who drive the fancy Volkswagen Beetles and stuff like that. He was pretty stoked about working there, you know, a local guy, and he had a badge on with a poi pounder on it, and I asked him about it, and he said it was something about rewarding employees for stopping theft, specifically theft by employees, which any retailer will tell you is actually worse than what the public makes off with. He said that each store sets aside some huge chunk of cash at the beginning of the year and that thefts, losses, are paid out of that fund. But if there's anything left and whatever's left at the end of the year is divided among the employees. You know, he looked uh, quite eager to see if any of his coworkers had any sticky fingers. But uh, anyway, it's nice to have an alternative for stuff, you know, gadgets and TVs and appliances. I just hope that the traffic ties down a little. As for what's going on at home, well, you know, I guess the story of the week is that Zach's now in school. He's starting preschool, and uh, in fact, a bus comes to pick him up every morning. It was a bit of an ordeal, though, and I'll tell you, we've been trying to prepare him for it and telling him about the bus coming for weeks, and actually he was sort of excited about it. He was telling strangers, I'm going to be on the bus, you know. Um, But when Monday came and the bus came, I think he only realized then that he was going on the bus by himself, and he wasn't happy about that. And man, Jen called me up at work, and she was in tears. She was just so upset because Zach was so sad. She said he looked so betrayed. Uh, And of course, there was screaming the next morning and fighting after that. But, you know, actually less and less uh, as the week went on. And yesterday, he got on smiling and waved goodbye, so... Hopefully he's fully ready to take on the world now. Alex, though, uh, he turns one in a couple of weeks. He's getting a couple more teeth, which is making him a bit irritable. You know, for the longest time, Alex was basically the quietest, mellowest baby I'd ever seen. I mean, we actually had his hearing tested uh, when he was a couple of months old because nothing would faze him. Slamming doors, Zach and Katie fighting, pots and pans falling. You know, I called him the Zen master. He was so, so calm. But, folks, he's making up for it now. You know, the kid can shriek like nobody's business a higher pitch than ever reached by the other two kids. Um, With that and the fact that he's biting everybody, we're starting to call him our uh, screeching velociraptor out of Jurassic Park. All right, folks, let's hear some music. You know, I have to say, the response that I've received from you about the music I featured on Hawaii Up has been great. Even though it's very varied, sometimes a little unusual, and often not the kind of sound that first comes to mind when you think about Hawaii. But one listener has uh, been emphatic about me bringing back a musician that I played her first in April. The listener is uh, my friend Mitchell, whose new podcast, The Literate Loser, I just mentioned last week. And the musician that he's a big fan of is Kristen Nakasoni. She's a UH student who writes, sings, plays songs on an acoustic guitar and records them all by her lonesome in her house. This song, I think, is the latest one that she's put online, and it's called Me and You. It's just over three minutes long. Enjoy, and I'll catch you on the flip side.
That was UH student Kristen Nakasone with Me and You off her forthcoming album In My Bedroom. And from a recording standpoint, I think she means that literally. Uh, She's always working on something new. She's always making music. And last I checked, she's got three more tracks coming soon. You can find her at MySpace at MySpace.com slash Kristen Nakasone or at SoundClick.com slash Kristen Nakasone. She also has a new official website, and I'll have a link for you at the show notes at HawaiiUp.com. Now it's time to check in with the wife. It's time for the Pith of Pop, the podcast edition with my incredible, although slightly congested, wife, Jen. Thanks for joining us, Jen. Hi. So what's on your mind this week? Well, I've been listening to a lot of Real Reviews Radio, the podcast, and he doesn't do straight reviews. He kind of just talks about things and movies that he likes, and he discusses the movies at length. So I thought I'd do something kind of similar. All right. So what favorites do you want to talk about? Well, I have these this group of films called My Chicken Soup Trifecta. They're all teen exploitation films, and it's 
the three movies that I can go to reliably to improve my mood. Okay. So what movies are in the trifecta? Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles. That's the girl who has a 16th birthday and nobody cares. Right. Molly Ringwald is the, the girl who's, she's turning 16. Her sister is getting married the day after her birthday. So everybody has kind of blown off and forgotten about her. And in the meantime, she's in love with this really rich, unattainable hunk guy played by Michael Shuffling. And she also has uh, the geek friend, Anthony Michael Hall. Right. Anthony Michael Hall, who is now on the dead zone. He plays Farmer Ted. He's kind of a geek. He's a little bit annoying, but he's got a crush on Samantha, you know, Molly Ringwald's character. And he provides a lot of the the good lines, and he's he's really funny. There are a lot of good lines in this film, but and as as far as characters go, they're great. But you do have the infamous Long Duck Dong. Yeah, the the exchange student. I mean, he provides a lot of the humor in the form of slapstick, but a lot of the humor is because he's Asian. Right. You know, it's not terribly politically correct, and it's a little bit offensive, but still, as a whole, you know, the movie has great moments that honestly make me melt and. Altogether, it's it's just a really positive, fun movie-watching experience whenever I pop it in. That's because she ends up not with Anthony Michael Hall, obviously, but with the rich hunk. Right, she does. He actually shows up at her sister's wedding, and at one point, she's standing by the doors of the church, and he pulls up in his Porsche, and he waves at her, and she looks around, and, you know, kind of, who me, and... He says, yeah, you, and, and walks up to her at the, in, at the, by the doors of the church. And that's when uh, your eyes are all watery, and then I'm walking away making the gagging sign with my fingers. What other movies are in the chicken soup trifecta? Say anything. Say anything. Well, that's got to be high up on the list. I mean, I think we've seen that film a hundred-something times. I think I was tracking it on my website. Every time it comes on TNT, TBS, CBS, you watch it. Yeah, even though we have the DVD. That's right. So what do you like about Say Anything? It's got John Cusack in it, for one. He plays Lloyd, Lloyd Dobler, one of the best movie characters of all time, I think. Yeah, every guy wanted to be Lloyd Dobler. And every girl wanted to be with Lloyd Dobler, (laughs) you know. Um, He's such an iconic character that John Cusack kind of can't really even get away from him. He's done a lot of other things, you know. He's... He was Nelson Rockefeller in a movie. He's been an alcoholic movie star in a film, but everything he does has this little touch of Lloyd Dobler in it. It's sort of like how Keanu Reeves can't get away from being Ted. Yeah. Um, But Sixteen Candles, that was a John Hughes film, yes? Yes. So that would, I mean, in terms of emotional maturity of the storyline, Sixteen Candles and Say Anything are very far apart. Yeah, very much so. Lloyd is kind of a slacker dude. He's not really interested in planning out his life so far. And the girl he falls in love with, Diane, who's played by Ioni Skye, she's a very sheltered, protected, almost spoiled um, brain. She's, you know, a val- the valedictorian of their class, and she's won a scholarship to a university in London. Um, and she's not quite ready to get involved with a person, like especially a person like Lloyd, um, so it's a very realistic and honest portrayal of the relationship of these two people. Yeah, it's not slapstick. It is It is a straightforward, romantic, and only a slight amount of comedy. Very slight. I agree, though. Say Anything is a good film, and it has a lot of really distinctive characters in it. Uh, Diane had a friend who was a 
frustrated musician? No, she was Lloyd's friend. Um, she's played by Lily Taylor, who's a character actress who's been in several things, but she's really good here. A lot of her scenes are songs, basically. She's singing these really hor- this these really tortured, sad songs about a, a guy. Yeah, definitely she's great. And uh, what's the third film in the chicken soup trifecta? Pretty in Pink. Pretty in Pink. What what was that one about? Molly Ringwald plays a girl from the wrong side of the tracks who falls in love with a guy named Blaine. He's really rich. He's played by Andrew McCarthy. I can definitely sense a theme in the storylines of some of these films. Yeah, I guess so. They're not really realistic and not very plausible, but what do you expect from teen exploitation films? So again, you have a rich guy and a pining regular girl, and in fact, there's also a geeky friend in this one. Right. He's played by John Cryer. His name is Ducky. He's been in love with Andy, we're led to believe, for quite a long time, for you know at least a few years. And he's her friend throughout her romance with, with Blaine. And yet at the end of the film, we all are supposed to cheer when uh, she ends up with the rich dude. Well, we're supposed to, but some of us don't. Right. I mean, I when I watch the film, I definitely feel like Ducky. I think Ducky is the guy. We, we're, we're shown his dedication to her throughout the film, and yet she still ends up with the guy she's pining after. Well, originally, in the original ending of the film, she does end up with Ducky, but the test audiences weren't fond of that, and they wanted her to end up with Blaine. <laughs> so what they had to do was they had to reshoot the entire prom scene at the end and by that point Andrew McCarthy who plays Blaine was shooting a film he was shooting a Vietnam War film he had lost a lot of weight and had to have had to shave his head so in the prom scene he's got this horrible wig and he looks really sick and cracked out (laughs) but I guess that's what the people wanted Um, and there are you know other good characters in the film right um there's Iona, who is Andy's friend. She's played by um, Annie Potts, who's been in like Ghostbusters and stuff, but she's, she's really great in this movie. And James Spader's in this film. Yeah, James Spader plays Steph, who is, I guess, Blaine's best friend, and he's this real smug, arrogant, rich, loathsome character that you can't really help watching. He's, just, he's very magnetic in, in his jerkiness. <laughs> Okay, so the three films that make you feel good are... Sixteen Candles, Say Anything, and Pretty in Pink. So if you somehow slept through the 80s, or God forbid are too young to remember the 80s, these are the films to pick up. Yeah, definitely. Start with those. All right, well, thanks for sharing those with us, Jen. My pleasure. How about some listener mail, or email at least? You know, last week I was worried that my tribute to my grandmother was just going to be one serious downer. So uh, I was really touched and uh, very grateful for those of you who wrote to express your condolences and really to say that it was just something special to share. She really was incredible, and I just love that uh, I can and share that sort of thing with you. I, I just can't stop marveling about how far my uh, nasal dorky voice travels through the wonders of the Internet. So uh, let's see. I heard from Stephen from Minnesota. He works in a dive shop, of all things, out there. I got a fun note from April, a podcaster in New London, Connecticut. In New York, I heard from Christine and Tom, uh, local kids now living in the city, as well as M.W., a frequent island visitor. There was Judy in Kalamazoo, Michigan, Honey in Los Angeles, and Bill in Moorestown, New Jersey. 
I even heard from Peter in Cheltenham, Southwest England, which was awesome because uh, we actually crossed paths in the golden days of Usenet in Alt Culture Hawaii and Soch Culture Hawaii. Ah, so many more. Uh, John, Joel, Joy, lots of J's, I guess. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening. You folks are really what makes this strange hobby so uh, so rewarding. Speaking of feedback, though, a couple of things that I wanted to mention. First, I want to apologize to any Korean listeners out there. I should have known that golf phenom Michelle Wee is not Chinese. She's Korean, and uh, Korean-Americans are very proud of her. She's a serious talent either way, and uh, just keep your eye on her. She had a good week, I heard. Also, I got a note from Todd right here in Honolulu who asked that I try a bit harder to pronounce Honolulu correctly. And uh, actually, I appreciate him calling me on it because usually, day to day, I'm the one that's cringing when someone says Honolulu or Hawaii. You know, the capital of Hawaii is Honolulu. I know you Hawaiian experts out there won't believe it, but my focus in my journalism degree at UH was, in fact, Hawaiian language. I'm just so out of practice, and, you know, really, pretty much everyone says Honolulu, so it just slips out. I promise to try harder. And for those of you who plan to visit and want to really impress your locals, get your Honolulu and Hawaii down pat, folks, and please don't fall for your tour guide when he says aloha, because we hate that. Finally, Kevin in Huntington Beach, California, did ask a question that I hear a lot, which is, uh, you know, while all this indie, alt-homegrown music is great, you know, why not more traditional Hawaiian music? Where's the is, Naleo, Ho'okena, Cecilio, and Capono? Um, Well, of course, the limitation there is music licensing. You know, the major labels aren't quite ready to play. I have to say, though, and you have to understand that uh, locally, the folks at Mountain Apple, really the biggest music publisher here, they really have some of the most incredible artists and are actually very, very tech-savvy company. You know, I've, I've talked to them, and they're actually thinking of this stuff and are excited about it, but they have a lot more, you know, to lose than some guy in his den. And I more than understand the, that the wild and wooly world of podcasting is just too new, you know, changing too fast to just open up their treasure chest just yet. But, you know, I really think that, that things are going to evolve and grow over time much faster than some people are saying. And that, uh, you know, folks like Mountain Apple are going to get into it, even do their own show and, uh, you know, join the movement themselves. And when they do, there's just, I mean, it's there's going to be no shortage of great material that uh, I know people are just going to go nuts over. In fact, there are so many great ideas that I'm hearing lately. You know, so many cool podcast folks are in the planning stages right now. Um, the next few months, I can hardly contain myself. I can hardly wait. Hawaii Up is just me, one dad, and a Mac, but uh, some real talented folks out there have gotten some big gears turning in their heads. And if you love Hawaii and uh, island voices, then there's going to be some incredible things hitting the net in the next couple of months. Let's see. Uh, you know what, though? Just for Kevin, let's hear some distinctive, truly Hawaiian music. On the short list of artists uh, whose sound epitomized the island spirit would have to be Kihoalu master John Keave. Uh, one of the all-time slack-key guitar greats, John Keave has been making music for decades and has received a number of honors from the Hoku Awards to the Hawaiian Music Awards. And I'm particularly fond of him because he was born and lives in Havi in North Kohala on the Big Island where my mom's family is from. This song is called Juan and Keoki, which pays tribute to the vaqueros, or Spanish cowboys, who came to Hawaii and taught the Hawaiians many of the cattle ranching skills they still practice today, the paniolo. 
It's a play between two guitar styles, Hawaiian and Spanish, although, of course, John is playing both parts. So this is Juan and Kiyoki off John Kiave's 2003 release, Kiave Ulani. It's just four minutes long, so just、uh, close your eyes, relax, and enjoy.
That was John Keave with Juan and Keoki off his album Keave Ulani. Uh, if you didn't know, both the name Juan and the name Keoki are variations on the English name John. You can pick up John Keave's albums on Amazon.com, CDBaby.com, and from his website, JohnKeave.com. And uh, John's on a roll right now. He's got several performances this week and next on Maui and the Big Island. And then he's off to the mainland. On August 18th and August 19th, he'll be in Washington State. And then he's got a show in Eugene, Oregon on August 20th. So if you're in the neighborhood, check it out. Uh, you can also see where John will be playing next on his website at johnkiave.com. And of course, I'll have that link for you up in the show notes at hawaiiup.com. And I think that does it for me. Uh, if there's something that you want to know, something you want to hear, or just something you want to say, please feel free to drop me a line at comments at hawaiiup.com. Or even better, call and leave a message on the Hawaii Up listener line at 808-356-0127. You know, I was thinking since our next show will be show number 20, uh, that I'll try something a little fun with the listener line and have a couple of prizes. So be sure to tune in for that. Oh, uh, and also, as I mentioned, I like to know uh, where people are listening, so I put a guest map on the site at HawaiiUp.com uh, where you can put a little pin in a world map and tell me, uh, tell everyone where you live and just where Hawaii Up is uh, reaching. So check that out. I want to thank Akamai Brain Collective for the great theme music, and certainly I want to thank you for uh, picking up Hawaii Up. Mahalo anui loa. Please take care, everyone. Mahalama pono. Until next time, ahui ho!